All right, welcome back to the Equipped Brews Tired podcast. Uh, I'm here, as always, with uh, Bryce Krawchuk, Hello. my uh, co-host and well-manicured uh, friend. Um, well, maybe not manicured isn't the right word. Well, I got a haircut. You got a haircut. It looks good. You got a nice haircut. That's all. Yeah, it's, it's a fresh fade, as as the kids Ooh, might say. Yeah, that is, so, that is I think, yeah, very topical uh, so, language. Um, I don't know what your manicure. I have no idea if you're manicured, if you're well manicured or not. I also cut my fingernails recently. Well, so. there you go. So, so I wasn't wrong about that. I was not wrong. So I was. Uh, you said it's hot, hot there. It's really hot here too. It's terrible. Yeah, it's too much, man. Although it's going to be cold as can be in two days. It's going to be like eleven on Monday, I think. So. Selena said this morning before she left, it's supposed to like, it might snow later. It's supposed to be like twenty-seven, but it might snow like overnight. <laughs> Or some sh- I don't even know, man. Well, Maybe she needs in a couple you. of days, but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised in Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. Living yeah. in the mountains, man. Um, how's training going, Ryan? Uh, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> I'm good. A, I'm hey? on my first I, my first week of a pivot block, and okay. Um, right. So this last block was a short. It was only five weeks that threw me off because yeah. I thought it'd be my sixth week this week, and I was going to do my my bench. Uh, my 500 bench so it was a pivot, pivot block so i did my bench anyway um i was gonna say you took a shot at it right yeah I t- took a shot i i don't know pretty I, i'm both disappointed and yeah well yeah it's okay well it'll come it'll come next time you i think shoot uh, shot. yeah exactly i think um i think i was close to to luck well uh, yeah Close to getting through the sticking point, from what I saw. Yeah, like real on the line, limitless, limit, limit lift kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not super disappointed. Like I think, I think 225 probably would have went if I had tried it. But um, you know, I wanted that 501. I've always, always wanted to bench 500 since I started lifting. So um, we'll, we'll swing at it again. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really surprised about. I, I did, I did three singles that day. I did like 202, 215, 227, um, and then I. The next workout that was on a Monday, and my next workout was Wednesday, and I had to do that was supposed to be like a heavy bench workout. Um, I was supposed to do like triples, and I was just really surprised at how sore I was from those three singles. <laughs> yeah, I, it was ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I had to drop all the weights like thirty kilos, <laughs> and yeah, it was. I was amazingly sore from those three bench singles. So, I mean, that's a uh, bench meet, right? Yeah, I, I get yeah for, uh, raw bench meet though, like raw. But, and I mean raw bench only. That's yeah. That doesn't take a lot out of you, I don't think. It's still uh, a bench meet. It might be the sure. lowest lowest stress of the bench meets, but yeah. But so I don't know. I I I remember taking off two twenty seven, um, and just like it was, it felt like nothing in my hands. So so that was a good feeling. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll take a swing at it again. I don't know what the plans Let's for the next block. I know Mike um, Mike's been. A little busy, so I haven't, had, I haven't tried to bug him too much about it. So, yeah, um, we'll we'll figure it out maybe later this week and get a plan going forward. I think I could take a little break off of the heavy bench for I don't know if we'll maybe swing in some gear something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think I could use some not heavy bench, like maybe getting back in my bench shirt. It's different though. <laughs> it's so different. Such a power lifter thing. It's just. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds like fun. I, I, I was going to say like maybe a slingshot or something, but right. I just put a bench shirt on if I was going to do that. Yeah. So. Hell yeah, dude. How's the, how's the equipment treating you? 
Uh, it's coming back, man. I'm getting my mojo back slowly but surely. I had a real, yeah. real hiccup in that raw, raw um, volume block, and I just like my strength just kind of tanked for a bit. Took me a while to get uh, get things back. Squats still feel heavy as hell on my back, and then I watch the footage and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm just like it's just in my head kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, bench is going really well. I think my raw strength is starting to translate a little bit like i benched uh benched a 245 like really quickly earlier this week and normally that's kind of end of training block and it's usually a little bit slower so that's going a little bit better and i uh, was able to actually pull decently yesterday for the first time in a while uh i think last week i tried what i thought would be a bigger suit that i had tucked away and it turns out it was a tighter suit <laughs> so um, I didn't get through all my volume in it cause it was starting to cut my legs open. So I pulled it off and did my last set raw. And I was like, Oh man, I think that triple was faster. <laughs> like without the suit. And I was like, Oh, this isn't right. No, that's, um, that's... But no, yesterday I pulled a nice, like a really nice three fifty five, and then a three by three at three twenty. So it feels like my pull again, which I feel like anytime I gain a kilo or a half a kilo, I'm like, well, back to the drawing board. I'll learn how to deadlift again. And it inevitably comes back and, and, and I am strong. I don't think it's a, a big thing, but it does seem like as soon as I gain weight, I kind of have to like really pump the brakes on my deadlift and just practice my positioning and get used to pulling and spend some time doing that. But it's coming. It's coming. And I think I'll compete at provincials here i'm super humming and hawing about it uh and just like whether or not i really need to compete um three, three weeks from now eh? yeah yeah so we'll see that's uh i think it's it is or is past maybe even the deadline to withdraw and get your money back so i'll probably just do it but i i signed up to try to get my um like my motivation and then to feel you know like a compelled to train mm -hmm. and, and a little more invested and it's worked, but I don't know that I'm looking forward to the actual act of competing as much when I think about like, oh, okay, I'm going to put a mask on, rush in, rush out, no audience. Like it's, it's just going to be a very different, uh, interesting kind of competitive atmosphere. And I don't know if that gives me the same kind of jollies, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Speaking of which, you guys are kind of involved with the, um, the virtual meet that's getting run there. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So Danny, one of our coaches, um, and Taylor, one of our other coaches, his girlfriend, Anna, uh, Simsy Strength in Ontario, uh, are running the meet together. And it's the 2020 Virtual Classic, just at the 2020 Virtual Classic on Instagram. Um, and they're taking submissions. I believe registration is open. Um, and... The lifts have to be done within a week of the end of the registration, which I think is uh, end of November here. And then we're, yeah, we're going to figure out how to live stream it all up and have judges. And uh, I think Six Pack Lapidat is Skyping in to commentate. And it's going to be a big, big production. They got a number of sponsors and uh, there will be T-shirts. And yeah, it should be, uh, should be pretty cool. I'm kind of excited to see how it, uh, how it develops over the next little while. Right. That's cool. It's funny because... Um, and you guys honest, are sponsoring it too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in 2006, maybe 2007, I was involved with, uh, someone who was doing the same sort of thing. 
it was like a virtual powerlifting meet and I was a ref. I was just a young ref at the time and just a, um, young, ref. Just a young ref. And there was uh, back in the day of blogs and stuff, there was a uh-huh. bunch of us that had like training blogs. And so we all talked to each other and the one guy decided to run this virtual meet and I actually did the refing for it. And you had to have like a clock in frame the whole time and you had to show like a newspaper with the date of when you did the lifts. Oh, yeah, and yeah. it was like a real, real production. It's so it's, kind of this whole virtual classic thing's kind of thrown me back a little bit. Yeah, I think, so the meat shirts go out, and then I think lifters have to do the lifts in the meat shirt. Okay, cool. And that's how we're, like, um, going to know that it's appropriately timed and that kind of stuff uh, in that's terms smart. of, like, context. But, uh, yeah, and then I think we'll have me and Danny and maybe even Dylan will get to be a judge. Dylan's notoriously harsh. Uh, depth critic on our our uh, Twitch live streams. So yeah, I don't think he would have. I don't think he would have passed a squat that I've done in the last like two years. So <laughs> well, he fits fits right in in the IPF. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say you should be in the CPU then. Yeah, man. Cool. Another big news. I got uh, I got ship notification from my rep one. So I'm um, ship nice. shipping by USPS. So. I figured yeah. the the final uh, knife in the side will be that USPS will lose it because USPS is getting shut down basically in the states. And right, so. right. I was gonna say, you know, it didn't take me that long. I didn't put it in context of the current time and uh, circumstances, but yeah. So that will be the the uh, the final knife inside that if that just disappears and en route to me. So <laughs> let's hope not, man. Let's yeah. hope not. I'm actually yeah. I'm really enjoying using mine. Um, I mean, have you, have you, did you use the open barbell back when it was that at all? No. So the only thing we've ever used um, was a yeah, product push, called a push band. Push yeah. 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 So we, we used that for a little while, um, but just found it. There's the Bluetooth thing to the phone that was super sketchy and mm-hmm. doesn't work very well. So we kind of ditched them. But um, yeah, so this will be my first actual like cable-based velocity trainer. So Yeah. The cool thing about the, like, the Rep1, you basically just hook it up to the bar and as long as you go in and open the app and sync it up you can just like do your whole squat workout and then go back and be like this set was this much weight this set was this much weight this was this exercise whatever and you can set the interval i think it's about 30 seconds it'll rest before it resets and creates like a new set metric oh yeah right so you don't even have to go into do anything you can just kind of set it and forget it and then go back and edit everything and be like this was this rpe it gives you estimated max projections and then it exports everything into a nice neat little google sheet that you can nerd out with your data copy and paste into my rts training log yeah so all my yeah cool yeah i'm excited to see that so hopefully that shows up in the next week or two i don't know how long it'll take but yeah interesting all right so we have one question here uh from noma uh, so they uh, first they say thank you for uh, giving them the desire to try geared powerlifting. Um, they tried a bench shirt, and uh, unfortunately it was an old uh, Inzer HD Blast. So, oof, that, that would have been rough, to, <laughs> a rough, rough start. Uh, <laughs> Diving right in. Yeah, uh, they do have one question though, and that's what's the best way to add geared lifting to help raw lifting? I have a classic meet at the end of the year, and I'd like to integrate gear into my training. What do you think is the best way to add it into my training? I think probably as like an overload stimulus, right? I mean, that's 
kind of inherently what it's going to be. So if you could, uh, you know, replace a slot where you would normally be benching against bands or using a slingshot or a ram um, or doing some like reverse band work or whatever sort of, you know, alternative exercise you're doing on that secondary slot if you're training a set. This is a lot of assumptions, but um, yeah, just basically as an overload tool so that you have a certain heavy stimulus that very closely mimics your raw lifting. Um, and maybe not like putting it in your highest priority spot or putting the most amount of stress through that movement with the, the equipment, but treating it as a sort of a secondary movement is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And for sure, like that, that, Z, uh, HD blast and the Z suit they talk about or champion, um, that's the HD blast is definitely going to be more comparable to something like a slingshot where you're going to get a, get out of a slingshot. So right. uh, besides how hard it's going to be to get on, um, it's going to give you the same sort of, same sort of overload, um, as a slingshot. So totally makes sense. Um, definitely I would try to, I would suggest avoid doing at least the last four to six weeks. So you're not mm. throwing off any kind of raw path. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think as an overload makes sense. Um, you know, even as, a as, uh, yeah, definitely would not make it your primary movement, though, at least within range of your meat. Like maybe if you did it, you know, uh, 12 or 16 weeks out, you could do some work where it's your prim primary to get used to the weight and then go back to your priority one being your raw lifts closer to yeah. the event. That'd make more sense. Yeah. And maybe maybe just grab a pair of knee, knee wraps or something and you can use those um, without the uh, suit as you get closer to the meat, if you want to continue that overload stimulus. I mean, it, overload works really well for some people's raw lifts and not so well for other people's raw lifts. So it's just one of those things you kind of have to experiment with. And, you know, as long as you're not going in and doing a 10 by 10 in your squat suit, you're probably going to be okay. Um, as, as a fan of reps and gear, even I wouldn't recommend that. But, yeah, just play around with it. Have a good time. Load some weight up and lift a little bit more than you otherwise would raw. Call it a day. Yeah. Makes sense to me. <laughs> cool. Uh, should I toss it over to our interview now, Ryan? Was there anything else you wanted to get to? No, that's good. I think, yeah. That's cool. All right. Awesome. So today we have Miss Kelsey, Kelsey McCarthy. Um, she's the third ranked all-time female equipped lifter in the IPF, which is pretty impressive in and of itself. She's closing the gap pretty, pretty steadily on a uh, 10 times body weight total, and she'd be one of two women to have ever done that uh, in the IPF. Uh, so she's got a 680 total right now at 69.9 kilos. Uh, she's been she's competed in 27 meets since 2015, which for that short of a period of time is a hell of a lot of meets. Uh, she's a two-time world champion and holds the open world record squat in the 72 kilo class rather with a 265 kilo squat. Um, so we had a we had a good chat with Kelsey and uh, had some funny stories from her and uh some references to some of her training partners and uh yeah go ahead and check it out and we hope you all enjoy it uh if you want to get a hold of us go ahead and email into equipped bruised tired at gmail.com and um yeah we'll see you all in the next episode yeah i mean uh how's how's it going kelsey how's how's training been lately how's uh the uh, the whole lockdown scenario, how's all that kind of affected things and, and where are you at right now? I mean, we know that uh, uh, Worlds was just recently officially canceled. So, I mean, what does that mean for you and where does all this leave you? 
Uh, I mean, it's definitely been an adjustment for sure. Um, in terms of worlds and everything, obviously the U.S. came out pretty early um, mm -hmm. back in probably August with saying they weren't sending any international teams. So it kind of was a early adjustment for me. Right. Uh, realizing that if the event were to go on, we weren't really going as a as a nation. So it's kind of a mixed feelings. Obviously, it's I see the the points of kind of having having to cancel it. Obviously, I I feel it's probably in the safest bet for everyone um, mm -hmm. to kind of push things off. A little bit of a of relief. Um, I probably wouldn't have been too happy just being as competitive as I am, knowing I'd be sitting at home watching yeah. the competition go on. That that definitely right. would have been tough for me. Yeah. Um, but it's been definitely an adjustment of still training, but not having that kind of target focus of, you know, what you're actually training for definitely gives a, an adjustment. Uh, kind of using the time to rework some things, try some new things out that maybe I wouldn't. Okay. And so like with your, with your gym and stuff, have you guys been able to remain open or like switch to some sort of private use or did you have to kind of just like, do you have a home gym or how has all that gone through the, the lockdown procedures? I know they've been different everywhere, but. So we did, uh, we did close down probably mid March, I would say mm -hmm. uh, the gyms were forced to close down. Um, so I was lucky enough to be able to train in a training partner's basement for nice. the majority of the lockdown. Mm -hmm. Um, and then gyms opened up here probably beginning of July. So we, uh, we made the switch to go back, um, to support, support the gym owners. Uh, mm -hmm. they've been, they've been really great to us, um, at the gym we train out of at Bay State Athletic Club. Uh, so we, kind of wanted to return the, the favor and go back giving them the support. Um, and it's been pretty standard-ish, um, except for the addition of mask wearing, mm -hmm. which is an adjustment for sure, but um, kind of seems to be the new uh, reality of the world around here. Yeah, yeah, I think in, in a lot of places. <laughs> so are you guys required to wear masks all the time or...? Uh, we basically have all the time, if you're actively under the bar um, and lifting, you don't have to have it up. Uh, okay. Typically, I'll try to go as long as I can um, with it on, just realizing, knowing if I was going to do a meet uh, for at least USA Powerlifting, mask is a requirement now, so I was trying to get used to it um, mm -hmm. for... For singles, it's fine. For reps, it's, <laughs> it's a whole new world for sure. Yeah. Um, so we're it's kind of a, a small group that we have training. So we, and we've all been uh, around each other. So we're we're comfortable around each other. So we're uh, masks within within rules and, and protocols, um, spotting and and stuff like that for sure. Yeah. Um. So real quick, before we kind of dive into some of the, the questions that we had here, you, you mentioned that you're trying some new things uh, with this extra time. 
Can you go into detail a little bit about that? Like what kinds of things are you doing with this time that you um, maybe wouldn't have otherwise? That's kind of interesting to me. Uh, so most recently, um, kind of adjusting to trying uh, squatting in flats. Okay. I've primarily have always since starting powerlifting have been uh, in a uh, Olympic lifting heel. And then haven't been too happy recently. Um, kind of in the midst of the COVID, had a few kind of kind of tweaks uh, and a couple of slight injuries that I took time to kind of actually address for once. Um, and then coming back from those, my squat hasn't felt as as great as I wanted it to be. So kind of just working through some things. Um, Working with uh, Big Mike Solinsky, kind of tweaking some form, more or less just kind of trialing it out, see kind of how it feels since we have the time to be able to break things back down and work it back up. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of been the biggest one that we've been working through right now. Yeah. And how has that, uh, that experiment gone so far? Does it seem promising? Uh, well, it's been one week. Oh, okay. so I've had, uh, I've, had just... two, I've had two squat sessions in it. Um, All right. I haven't completely thrown it out the window, so okay. that's there's some that's promise there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's good. I, I know I did that a few years ago, and I figured, you know, if if everyone else at the time, like all the big supers were squatting in flats, so I said, oh, let's switch to flats, and I did it for I think six or eight weeks, and. And uh, my hips were so angry at the end of it. I just had to go back into heels because they're just so sore. I, I don't know why. I don't know the, the physiology of that, but my hips did not care for flat shoes. Yeah, it's definitely an adjustment not to uh, go falling backwards. Yeah. Coming out, going into, into and out of the hole for sure. You want to dive in there, Bryson? Okay, sure. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of step back a little bit and get into, um, like your, your origin story, if you will. Um, so, I mean, you, you've had a, an incredibly, uh, impressive career and it's been about five years that you've been competing. Uh, does that sound about right or, uh, yep. Just about five. I would say it started January, 2015. So, okay. Just cool. kind of getting into that five and a half ish marker. Right. Um, so first off, like what kind of got you into the sport and did you have like a pretty extensive athletic background, um, to be able to enjoy this much success in a, in a relatively short period of time? Uh, so my intro to powerlifting is kind of, I feel a unique story. Um, okay. it's more of a, a combination of who got me into it more than what, uh, so it started back at, uh, in college when I was at Northeastern university. Um, I was, came in as my freshman year, um, on the varsity soccer team and kind of from that beginning period, um, there's a, a clip out there on YouTube from a kind of series that we did of our initial squat testing for preseason for soccer. And I had no idea what my max was coming in as a freshman. Uh, they loaded, I think it was like 155 pounds 
on the bar and I ended up going for 20 reps and I I feel like that just kind of started things in like a right. delayed motion for uh I had obviously been kind of just strength training for soccer all the way through high school going into college um kind of more than once had been threatened to be kicked out of the weight room during soccer and basically banned from it uh so that was for, kind of uh, what making too much noise or making your other teammates look bad by being so strong or what i i think it was just the amount of time i was willing to spend in there ah, they were okay. like all right you actually need to go somewhere else <laughs> okay, um, all right. so that kind of started things in in motion um and then probably going into my end of my junior year into my senior season for soccer um big mike kind of was a little bit more vocal at trying to get me to kind of come in give powerlifting a shot um so i kind of made him a promise on my last senior game for soccer that once the season was over i'd come at least give the team a shot, come to a practice, see what it was all about. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it was kind of, I was sold from that day forward. You had found, found your people kind of thing. Uh, definitely. For yeah. sure. Um, <clears throat> so was there anything that you think really contributed to kind of like accelerating your, your growth or your, your abilities within the sport when you first started? Um, I think it was more of, I've always been a type of person that I'll try, I put my trust in, in other people at some points. Like I'll think, you know, I'm capable of one thing and someone else will be like, nope, if they believe that I can do it, um, I've always been like, all right, I mean, I'll definitely give it a shot. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of think I went in not really knowing fully what I was getting into, um, right. I kind of showed up to practice and I think in week one they were like all right Kelsey sit down we're gonna wrap your knees and I was like okay <laughs> I guess and they're like all right now go squat that and then it was like oh that was you know it was probably 200 pounds over what I had squatted ever before and I was just like oh this is what this does I'm like, all right, we'll just keep going down the rabbit hole for it. <laughs> nice. Nice. So basically you, you kind of went in there and they were like, you're going to squat some world records. And you were like, okay, I guess like if that's uh, if that's what you think, then let's just do it. <laughs> uh, Mike for sure told me that. And I'm pretty sure I looked at him like he was crazy. And I was like, <laughs> you have no, I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, so I, at this point have had to, uh, turn around and uh, take that statement back, I guess. Right, right. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty easy one to walk back, though. Like, I feel like that, that feels okay on the ego to walk that back and be like, oh, okay, I guess I will break some world records. <laughs> so you played, uh, you played soccer through uh, university. Do you still play other sports? or? Uh, not as much as I would like to now. Um, pretty much if I had the chance anytime that I can still get out on, on the, the soccer pitch, I'd be out there. Um, it's just come down to work, 
powerlifting kind of priorities. Um, right. So I still try to kind of keep a little bit of that cross training. It's not necessarily uh, specifically soccer right now, but it's definitely a lot of kind of sprints, cardio. Um, a lot of time my training partners are like, Kelsey, why are you out back at the gym running sprints in the, in the parking lot? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a fair question. <laughs> um, you also, uh, from your Instagram, you, you do quite a bit of weightlifting uh, movements, and you've actually done some competitions. Um, do you think that cross-training has been helpful with your powerlifting, or is it kind of like a, I just need a mental break from the powerlifting? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Uh, so I kind of started getting into it a little bit more uh, probably last summer, which ironically was the first summer I wasn't scheduled to play in a uh, a women's league for for soccer. Um, so I kind of was just looking for that extra something to do to kind of give myself a break from the uh, the main movements, have me move in a couple different planes. Um, so I kind of decided all right, like, we'll give this a try. Um, I was kind of hoping, I was having a lot of kind of elbow issues at the time, and I was kind of hoping it would uh, maybe help correct some of that type of issues, give me a little bit more of a cross training than just a regular squat bench deadlift training program. Um, and then I kind of just decided it was a, a nice kind of almost warm-up for for some workouts, a, just a nice day to have a more of a cross training. So I've definitely kept it in at least once once a week into my programming. Um, a lot of times it's my kind of gateway to get back into the gym uh, after competition when I'm uh, mm. quote unquote banned from training because I <laughs> can't be trusted not to touch a barbell. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my my kind of a uh, ticket to be like, all right, well, if I do that, it's not powerlifting. Right. So you mentioned uh, elbow issues. Um, and one thing that uh, I've noticed is that with your squats, you have a fairly wide grip. Does that come down to the same kind of elbows problems or is that just how you feel comfortable? I think it's just from the beginning. I had, it was more of a shoulder mobility Okay. Um, that I, I tried to get in really, really tight, and it definitely just kind of shot up, uh, flared up a lot of elbow pain, and I was just like, it's, it's not worth it. If, I'm like, if I can't extend my elbows fully, it's not worth having them that close, my hands that close in. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's more of just a, a comfort thing. Um, I probably could get my hands in a little bit closer as my mobility's definitely increased, um, but now it just seems... That's kind of more of a natural feeling for me at this point. So I haven't adjusted it too much. Right. Did you find that ollie lifting stuff helped with your elbow? I definitely have. Um, Typically, it would be a lot of elbow pain and stuff after uh, equipped benching. And Mm. uh, knock on some wood right now since kind of taking my recovery stuff a lot more seriously and more consistently when mm-hmm. not in the shirt and then adding in the cross training, the Olympic training. Um, there's been no elbow issues. So nice. 
That's very promising. I feel like it's a lot easier to make uh, make progress and have a lot more good sessions when you're not in pain all the time. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> um, and it's sort of along that line. You're a you're a doctor of physiotherapy, correct? Correct. Okay. So, do you think that that has? I mean, I'm gonna guess you're probably gonna say yes, but do you think that has like sort of sort of lent itself to you uh, having some success staying healthy and and uh in the game the throughout all of this i definitely think it has uh it's kind of a a lot easier to be able to even going back looking at my lifts knowing what movement patterns should be happening and being able to kind of identify some of those smaller issues Mm -hmm. um a lot of times i uh i'll joke around with my training partners and with big mike and being like you focus on programming, you know, the, the big muscle groups. Um, and a lot of times I'll kind of do get the assistance work, uh, for workouts, kind of the self program, whether it's addressing more kind of the smaller muscle groups, the stabilizers, um, I'll kind of do a lot of either single arm or single leg focus, um, in my accessory work. Um, just that I find that I've benefited a lot from and got a lot of carryover from that mm-hmm. um, and kind of more of the non kind of flashy exercises, a lot of the prone T's, prone Y's. Okay. Of- so um, throughout all of that, uh, with when you're when you're sort of practicing, are you treating a lot of athletes, or do you generally work with more of sort of a, a gen pop, or what's your what's your sort of clientele with that like? Uh, I have a pretty much a mix uh, across the board. Um, I most recently moved in within uh, the company I work for within to a clinic uh, directly uh, attached to a CrossFit gym, so we have a okay. lot more of a higher level basis. Um, and kind of more of that, a little bit more into what I really enjoy treating, uh, mm-hmm. but I still have kind of across the board, um, high school athletes, kind of the into that middle age, um, and even a, a smaller, older adult population. Um, so definitely across the board, but my kind of enjoyment is into that more, um, de- definitely into more of the strength-based athlete, um, and then just that general athletic population for sure. Mm-hmm. And with that, do you have any, do you have any secret recovery or rehab tips for us? Is there anything <laughs> that you find that, uh, maybe some go-tos or something like that where, um, I'm, I'm assuming that in your own training and with some of your training partners, is, are there things that you find, um, that, uh, have a you have a lot of success with within the equipped lifting power or the equipped lifting world? Uh, I would say probably the the biggest one would be um, especially for equipped benching uh, is keeping that lower lower and middle trap activated to keep those uh, scapulas from kind of winging out, causing that early elbow flare. Um, mm-hmm. I've had. Personally, I've had a lot of success in that area. Um, I'll know if I'm getting lazy on addressing that. 
I start to have more kind of early winging, losing my my solid positioning. Um, mm -hmm. I've worked with a couple of my training partners um, on kind of similar things. Uh, so kind of we always joke that it's a lower trap in your uh, serratus anterior or like the key key muscle groups for uh, the big keeping movers. that bench solid. Yes. Yeah. And are the, those are your, uh, your, your YTWLs and prone sort of small shoulder movements and stuff like that you were talking about? Yep. So the, definitely the Ys, Ts, Ws, um, serratus is, uh, kind of a nice one. I'll give them is a pretty much, a, a slide against the wall, just kind of protracting those shoulders and keeping them protracted. Um, mm -hmm that they're like, why am I sweating, sliding my arms up and down the wall? Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> um, and you, you coach some athletes as well? Um, I, I do not really, uh, not really coaching. Um, mm -hmm. I usually, I, you know, I'll kind of help out people if they're having some kind of like nagging injuries, um, but I, no real uh, direct coaching by any means. Okay. Um, i sorry. I, I maybe misunderstood. I thought you were um, working with Joe with the, the NUPL team still uh, to some extent. Uh, not really. I did a brief stint with them uh, probably back in 20s. I think it was 2017. Um, okay. 2017, 2018, uh, occasionally here and there, I'll kind of show up, um, to, to help out with things. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a consistent presence okay. in the team okay. more of a yeah. appearance. I mean, I guess I was just wondering, you know, coming from that as, as sort of your upbringing, right. Uh, in powerlifting mm -hmm. with that NUPL team. Um, I think you were, you were president or captain of the team while you were going through it um and then going back and still being connected to that you know um just kind of you know what's your experience been like coming through varsity powerlifting because I, I don't think that's something that like a lot of people have really experienced especially in canada we don't have like university powerlifting teams um what what's that been like for you uh so i mean it was definitely for me personally going from soccer which is completely a, a team-based sport uh, to going into more of an individual sport, but still having that team component was a, a huge thing for me. Um, yeah. I've always kind of been that person that regardless of what I'll do individually, I'm definitely more of that team focused. Um, even probably to this day, I'm more happy for what my training partners do on okay. the platform yeah. a lot of times than, uh, myself and they usually hate me for it because they uh <laughs> they're like will you give yourself some credit and I'm like uh maybe one day but definitely still kind of giving that sense of like family and and having that camaraderie is definitely a huge thing um so basically it's kind of just morphed and developed from you know it was my teammates in soccer then it was coming into powerlifting, still having that team atmosphere, um, having those people, especially not really knowing anything about the sport, um, having them really be resources for kind of 
what's going on, what to expect. Um, I always will say my first meet uh, that I really remember what happened was uh, Collegiate Nationals in 2015, and I still, mm-hmm. to the, I would have been like, I would have had no clue what to do if it weren't for my teammates basically being like, all right, Kelsey, go do this now. Go here. You're up. Right. Uh, so then being able to kind of turn around within the next couple of years um, with my last year on the team, being in that president role, having them kind of be able to lead them through that same experience and ultimately mm-hmm. having kind of that fun electric atmosphere for that kind of national level meet um, was kind of the biggest thing that I was looking for to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And then kind of after graduating, uh, falling into kind of the training situation that I'm in now with, with Joe, uh, Monet Bland, Eric Kupperstein, kind of all of them basically creating a, another family uh, mm-hmm. within the gym that I probably spend more time with them than my own family. <laughs> I guess not, not uncommon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's definitely been a, a huge thing that for me, I don't, I always wonder like what I would have done if I didn't find powerlifting after soccer uh, and kind of can't come up with what it would have been. That's fair. Uh, I, I think you, you touched on something that's really, really important and that's the, the sort of community aspect of it. And I've always kind of touted that as one of, one of sort of the biggest things that I've personally gotten out of powerlifting and hoped to help contribute to others. Um, but yeah, it's, it sounds like you're a real, real team player and, and kind of thrive in that team environment. Hey. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to me, it's, I'm not one for kind of that individual spotlight. Um, if I can turn it to someone else, I, I definitely will. That's hard to do when you stand at the top of the podium though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it is. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's probably one of as weird as it sounds for me, it's like the most uncomfortable position to be in. <laughs> I think that's, that's fair. fair. Yeah. Um, so you kind of mentioned your team um, with Joe Cap, Monet Bland, Eric. Um, how important do you think a team like that is to help push athletes to like their peak potential? Or I guess how important has it been for you, I guess? Uh, for me, I feel like it's been a, a huge factor. Um, I mean, I still go to them for advice and everything. So out of the group, uh, I'm the the youngest both age-wise and uh, experience in the sport. So, I mean, I always look to them for kind of a little bit of guidance on, you know, what's what's going on. More of like, you know, if something's not going right or kind of different ways that I can kind of tweak things if they're noticing things. Uh, we're usually some of the hardest people on each other. So usually if... Uh, they're telling me I'm high in t- squatting and training. It, it's a guarantee it's definitely high. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's the mark of a good training partner, though. Like, you don't, yeah. you don't want people blowing smoke up your ass like, oh, no, no, it's definitely to depth. And you watch the footage back and you're like, man, no, come on. Give it to me straight, you know? Yeah, for sure. So... With uh, you said that you said that the USAPL pulled out in in like August for Worlds, right? How has that 
kind of impacted your your motivation or your will to train? Uh, like I know for me, one of the big things that draws me to powerlifting and keeps me interested and, and fulfilled is that sense of competition and going to those big meets and squaring off with the best and, and that kind of a thing. And having that removed personally has been kind of a, a real, like it's tossed a lot of things up in the air. Uh, so I'm wondering what that's been like for you. Are you that same kind of person who's very driven by competition? Uh, it sounds like you also, you know, just can't keep a barbell out of your hands anyways. Uh, so how has that been for you to kind of navigate throughout all of this? It's been, uh, it's definitely been unique. Uh, so I'm definitely, it is hard for me to keep the a barbell out of my hands for sure. Um, I usually am lost if I'm not at the gym. I, I don't okay. know what to do with my, my free time. Um, the hardest part's probably been for me is, you know, realizing my next meet is probably in, you know, about a little less than, you know, maybe eight months away, probably mm -hmm. kind of training for 2021. Um, for me personally, it's, I can still kind of keep a a driven focus on that. Um, the hardest part is realizing if things aren't going well now in training, it's like it doesn't necessarily matter since it's so far in advance. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And trying not to kind of harp on myself of, well, if it's not going well right now or it feels like shit right now, it's it's really not a big deal. Yeah. Um, so that's probably been the, the biggest thing. Um, that's, and the hardest thing for me at this point is it's, it's just the way it is. It's part of it. Um, and it's one of those things that I definitely know that that's part of the, the game and the process. It's just more of a, that kind of flipping that switch and getting the competitive side of myself to understand it and be okay with it. Right. So trying not to like beat yourself up if it's not going super well right now and understanding that, I mean, I always look at it like a lot can change in the course of like one training block, right? You think about kind of how you feel when you first go in there and pick up whatever, 110% of your raw squat, your first day in the suit and everything hurts and it's kind of weird and everything's tight and fits funny and whatever. By the end of the block, things obviously change quite a bit and you can imagine, you know, how much can change in eight months, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, even for me, it's been somewhat of even just like trialing through different shirts, different suits, um, okay. and even getting changes just from that, uh, testing out some kind of older gear I haven't worn yet. Um, some newer gear that previously I couldn't fit into and now can get into it. So that's been a, a little bit of a change too. So it's definitely that kind of always a revolving door of the ups and downs of it for sure. So you kind of said eight months you're looking at, is that, would that be USAPL nationals or is that kind of Arnold? Um, probably. So typically, uh, our nationals are in May. Um, yeah. the Arnold's usually in March. Uh, nothing has been, uh, declared yet as a set date for anything. So kind of assuming they're keeping around that same schedule, um, 
not really sure what the uh, the plan is. Um, probably try to focus maybe on a, a meet towards the end of the year to get something in before kind of that period. Just I personally don't. I mean the the last time I was on the platform for a uh, a full meet was uh, Worlds in Dubai, so I don't want to go too far out. Um, mm-hmm. Just to kind of keep everything from that competition day, the timing and everything as as fresh as I possibly can, for sure. Um, so you mentioned that some older stuff that wasn't fitting for gear is now fitting. And that kind of takes to the question of uh, with the rumor or the plan, I don't know, it's actually official that 72 kilos is disappearing. Are you thinking more to go to 69? I know you've always been a pretty light 72. Is, that, is there a plan in your in your future there? or? Uh, I mean, there's no set plan. I think kind of just my, I typically have a struggle to weigh in at, at 70 even yeah. for a 72. So I feel the more natural kind of position for me would be more of that 69 weight class. Um, nothing's been eliminated yet, but kind of since I typically trend down to that lower and usually weigh around on meet day, just anywhere between 69 and 70 anyways, it, uh, wouldn't be that big of a a difference for me Mm -hmm. um so that would probably be the the loose term plan for sure do you do you generally walk around that weight or like are you like force feeding yourself to stay up to weight like is joe giving you eating plans or (laughs) (laughs) uh he tries to uh so probably (laughs) typically my my heaviest weigh-ins are when i travel with joe (laughs) Um, otherwise I, I walk around rough right now. I'm walking around right around 69 to mid 69, um, without really having to either force feed myself or starve myself to stay there. So it's more of just that kind of natural place that I end up sitting. Right. That's a nice place to be. If you can compete right there, like if they made a, a 117 weight class, that'd be, you know. Absolutely for the 140s. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> cool. So I think we'll take this into uh, our next segment we call Gearhead. And uh, basically, we're just going to ask you a bunch of questions about your equipment. Uh, and you can maybe throw some of the stuff in that you're trying out and, and tell us a little bit about some of that older stuff that you were talking about or some of the different cuts or whatever that you're trying out. Because um, we like to kind of get into the weeds on some of that kind of stuff. But with your usual competition gear, um, what are you wearing, and uh, is it stock or custom? So, uh, probably for the last two years, I've been kind of switching back into uh, kind of a full Titan lineup. Uh, so, I squat in a custom uh, Super Centurion uh, squat suit, uh, THP knee wraps. Um, for benching, I'm in, depending on the fit, anywhere from a stock 36 bench shirt to a variation of that for a super katana. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've competed in a stock shirt. I've competed in customs. Um, it's kind of been uh, a lot of trial and error in as, finding as kind of that shirts usually are. I think yeah. in finding that kind of perfect fit. Um, kind of having that fluctuation from training to competition weight too has been. I noticed it the most uh, in my bench shirts for sure that they'll fit great in training and then on the platform they're definitely not as snug fitting so it's um, I'd say I've tried a low cut I've tried modified collars on super katanas Um, I did a couple years stint in just a regular katana Um, so I've pretty much gone across the board for for bench shirts um, and in currently in a custom super katana right now uh, as the probably the last three meets have been in in that custom uh, super katana for sure and then deadlift uh, in a uh, custom velocity and uh, what about some modifications you said do you you've tried some modified collars uh, so I've had, uh, in many conversations with Titan, um, instead of kind of having them drop the, the collar, not so far as a, a low collar, but just kind of like, a dropping it one to two inches from kind of where their standard okay, collar is. Cool. So kind of it's right, right in between, uh, the two, um, Interesting. I, I typically have a lower touch point, um, mm-hmm. probably cause I, learn to bench from Joe and Big Mike. So when, when you learn to bench like a from a super, you start benching like a super <laughs> and definitely have that lower kind of more belly touch for sure. Okay. Um, just never really found that the, the low cut didn't work super mm-hmm. great for me. Um, never really figured out why that was it just I didn't have the uh wasn't getting the the pop off the chest that I could get with the the super katana with just pulling it down so we mm-hmm. we went kind of back back forth around in any given day I never know may I always am going through my shirts for the beginning of a training cycle to see what what maybe we haven't tried again, seeing if, uh, you know, different raw strength gains can translate to something different in a shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously as my experience in the gear gets more and more, uh, more comfortable kind of going back and trialing different things out that it could have just come down to not being as experienced with the gear and being able to make that specific piece worked for me yeah yeah i feel that i ended up going full circle from my first shirt being a low cut super k and just like almost killing myself every time i got into it and then moving back into a katana and then a super katana and now a low cut super k again so it's just yeah (laughs) (laughs) um with modifications in terms of uh straps and sleeves and that kind of stuff do you do that yourself or do you do a lot of those modifications or you pretty much just kind of get it made custom and go with it um i don't do a ton of uh modifying with straps and 
Um, and that's a typically uh, probably the most recent modification I've done is I've had the body of the my suit kind of tapered in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I've and I've had straps I think on maybe one or two deadlift suits adjusted, um, but typically kind of the strap length once it is coming kind of straight from the first day, it's usually pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. I've tried with uh, kind of starting off with tighter straps, knowing that they they definitely stretch as I am wearing them and trying to get the suits on. Yeah. Um, is usually kind of what I'll do is I'll um, starting to experiment a little bit more into kind of, all right, maybe I can try starting kind of getting tighter straps. Um, again, I think it comes down to being more comfortable with my experience level mm -hmm. in those suits that I'm like, all right, I can now get into a little bit more of those slighter modifications um, and still kind of know and be comfortable with what my positioning should be, kind of what it and what I want it to be for kind of the best results. Mm -hmm. And have you done any of those modifications yourself or is there somebody in the area that you guys uh, kind of all send your stuff off to? Uh, there's, I usually don't do them myself. Um, I don't trust my sewing capabilities <laughs> by any means. All right. Um, so depending on what it is, I've sent stuff directly back to Titan. Um, right. I've sent stuff to um, Polly Steinman in South Brooklyn, okay. um, who he's he's done a few modifications for me. If it's kind of just straps or or shortening the body, anything usually with uh, if I'm trying to take in either a shirt with the sleeve or something like that, um, I've done. A little bit of both. I've sent it to Titan. I've sent it to him, um, and those are usually my uh, go-to places for modifications. Cool. I think we kind of covered most of the other things. Mm -hmm. You said uh, THPs for knee wraps, and you're just now experimenting into flats for squatting, right? Correct. So I think we can jump into. Unless you have any questions for gear, there, Bryce. No, I think that's. Uh, I think I think that was good. I like yeah. I like getting into that stuff. Yeah, especially the bench shirts because it's definitely a, a random chance <laughs> is what works basically. I think. I think just find one good shirt for a training cycle and kind of go with it, sort of thing. Yeah, most people that I know who have kind of gotten into equipped lifting in the last few years end up with like one squat suit, one deadlift suit and like six bench shirts. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of like the first year of the starter kit. Yeah. Uh, so we'll jump into some questions from listeners. Um, first one would be, what does your training look like right now? So right now, uh, it's a little mix of both. Um, so mostly raw training uh, into more of like a volume phase, um, kind of tapering off a mini kind of equip cycle that would have gone into our nationals when they got moved into August. So I just decided to finish out that training cycle just to kind of keep things kind of relevant, keep my body and my nervous system used to handling kind of the, the equipped weights. And then we kind of went into 
more of a time-dressed volume type uh, segment for the last couple weeks that's just uh, finishing up uh, probably uh, the end of next week. Um, and then in that, um, actually heading out, so Natalie Hansen uh, and Bryce Lewis um, are doing more of a, a Lift for Charity event mm-hmm. out in Colorado that I'll be heading out to um, nice. and doing a uh, quick bench and a quick deadlift. So we've kind of shifted back into a mini cycle uh, for both of those pieces to kind of get tuned up for that. Um, and then not really sure uh, what Big Mike has uh, in store for for that phase. Uh, I like to say he's the, he's the mastermind behind it all. Um, usually it will depend on kind of obviously how far, if it's a kind of a meat prep, how far out we are and what we're doing. Um, right now it's just kind of trying to get a little bit of different kind of variance into training from some stuff that I haven't done before and just kind of seeing how everything reacts to those different pieces. Um, typically I react pretty well to, to a volume program, um, as kind of that base starting. So I have a, I have a feeling we might be getting into some volume stuff in the near future. <laughs> so you mentioned that you had been training up to USAPL nationals that were supposed to happen in August. How was, how was training going for that? Was everything looking good? Were you going to see some PRs? Um, I, towards the end, it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Um, I was coming off of, a kind of tweak that I did to my back. So it was more of a, I kind of knew going into nationals if they were going to happen in August obviously the plan was still to be ready for uh when worlds came come November so I kind of was just the plan for me was to kind of go in do what I needed to do uh for for making sure I qualified for the team um and then try to put together kind of that bigger meet performance for for nationals instead of having to try to I have two big PR performances kind of within three months of each other. Right. Yeah. Um, we got a question. This one's, this one's a little nuanced, um, but we're supposed to ask you about your coach's baby elephant training method. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, we, we call it the baby hippo. Baby um, hippo, okay. So it kind of came about just probably when I was training back for the Arnold in 2018. Um, it was just kind of basically shocking the nervous system that we just threw on the squat suit and he didn't really tell me what the plan was for the day. He just kept adding weight to the bar until we got up to a uh, heavy single. Uh, it kind of came about that it was definitely probably one of the shittiest looking squats I've, I've put on in training. So the reference uh, was that he basically told me the entire squat workout looked like a baby hippo getting eaten by an alligator. So uh, from there, we've kind of just transformed it that typically it's like, in essence, 
first day back, just pretty much maxing out without failing. Right. Just like getting used a, to something heavy right away. Yeah, pretty much just kind of getting in, getting probably sometimes the heaviest I've ever held. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically just shocking the shit out of my nervous system that anything else we throw at it during that training cycle usually feels light. Uh, so it's kind it's- of a unique method to training i was gonna say that's a unique approach yeah it sounds terrible (laughs) (laughs) it sounds terrifying i feel like i would probably not sleep the night before knowing if i was gonna do that i'd have a hard time like mentally preparing for that session that well that's the other part usually the uh the day of he'll send me a text that morning and be like bring your squat suit you're getting baby hippoed (laughs) <laughs> so there's there's no real uh kind of time to prep for it it's I feel like that's the like, way yeah yeah that's, that's the, way the right you way to do it. it yeah yeah i wouldn't want to be up all night thinking about it so you've competed yeah. uh a few times raw but uh, one of our listeners wanted to know uh if you ever thought about competing raw which i obviously you have um but i guess have you ever thought about pushing your raw more um, so I have and I haven't, um, I think part of it is just coming into that kind of equipped setting that that's always been kind of where I started powerlifting. I feel like that's just kind of what I enjoy the most. Um, and without actually disclaiming what my raw bench is, um, I've vowed that I would not actually compete competitively raw until I get that to be a little bit more uh, socially acceptable, will we say? (laughs) I feel that one on a very deep level. (laughs) All right, I left this one for you, Bryce. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um... I'm gonna do my de- my best because this is a part of the uh, instructions we were given to uh, to butcher a Boston accent here and ask you least favorite training partner <laughs> question mark. Oh, that's definitely an on the spot question. It might have to depend on uh, who's giving me the most shit that day, <laughs> <laughs> and whether or not it's the baby hippo day, and whether or not it's the baby hippo day. Um. Oh. I would say overall, I mean, there isn't a least favorite for sure. We're, we're definitely a, a tight knit group. Um, I will say that this question did come from one of your training partners. So I, I had a feeling it definitely okay. did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I probably won't give them the satisfaction of, of naming one. I like it. It was That's a pretty fair. loaded question. Yeah, I think so too. Well, we'll say which one is uh, probably giving me the most shit that day out of a potential of the three that the question probably came from. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So we're going to dive into some common questions. And these are kind of questions that we ask all of our guests when we have them on here. And uh, the first one would be, what What would you say was the, or has been the highlight of your powerlifting career so far? Um, I would say probably the, the highlight was probably 20... 
2018 Worlds in, in Sweden, uh, with that being the, the first championship. Um, mm-hmm. 20, and then kind of carrying on to that, being able to come back in 2019 and retain it has definitely been uh, something special uh, for me, just kind of being probably 20, 2018 was my third time competing internationally, um, my second time at Open Worlds. Um, so that was definitely something that I didn't expect to happen. Um, I know all my training partners believed it was going to happen that year, um, but I uh, am usually the last one to be on board with my self-performances. That's fair. Um, and so, like, what was it about that? Um, I guess because probably because it was the first one, right? That was kind of what you said. Um, how was your experience in in Sweden? Like, was that a was that a big part of it? Being kind of there. Um, it was definitely a, I mean, a big a big part. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have every year at least three of my training partners on the the national team uh, with me. So it's definitely like a a big group of us that are are there competing. Um, so we always have that big uh, support system just kind of within ourselves. And then also the, the U.S. team usually combined is uh, very supportive of each other um, at pretty much every, if we have a U.S. lifter competing, there's a big uh, majority of us in the crowd. So that was definitely something uh, you, unique. I think in 2017, um, it was with that being my first kind of open world championship, I had no mm-hmm. idea what to expect. Right. Um, and that kind of was just like a, more of just being there and competing was kind of the biggest thing for me. And then kind of that next year was like, all right, like I kind of have a sense of, of what it's like kind of knowing what's going on, kind of that, you know, that international platform experience Mm -hmm. um and then just kind of being able to really be able to kind of demonstrate like what i was capable of and kind of that um kind of a little bit having a different mindset of still being able to enjoy the experience but kind of having a little bit more of a a set on kind of the podium uh and that finishing place and kind of knowing that it was definitely attainable um, and then being able to kind of put it all together Mm -hmm. to get the result. And then to counterpoint that, uh, what would you say would be the lowest point of your lifting career and what have you learned from it? Um, I mean, typically for me, uh, which by no means can it, I can call it a low point um, with, the result of the meet, uh, but I usually set extremely high standards for myself when I compete. Um, and I will say my total from Dubai in 2019 was nowhere near um, what I had kind of set out for myself to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually, uh, for me, the biggest thing going one one for three on squats with 
the call being overturned by the jury into a good lift was definitely something that didn't sit well with me. And mm -hmm. knowing that I'm ultimately in control of that and have the means to correct it has definitely been a big driving force uh, for my kind of performances after that. So I usually will take kind of those mislifts, whether it's something technical like on depth or if it's um, more of like a, a lockout issue, uh, positional issue for deadlift, um, kind of taking those missed attempts and being able to turn them around into things that I focus on in training. And then for myself, it's definitely things that I want to make sure they don't happen again or as infrequent as possible. Um, obviously knowing I will be for sure to squat high on the platform again. <laughs> um, who have been some of your biggest inspirations? And it, it doesn't need to necessarily be power lifters. It can be. Um, but, you know, who's sort of inspired you along this, this journey? Uh, so first off, I would say my biggest inspiration in any type of kind of strength aspect was my strength and conditioning coach at Northeastern for soccer, uh, Sarah mm -hmm. Cahill. Uh, to this day, I always give her credit of kind of getting me to realize kind of what I'm actually capable of. Um, so she's first off probably the one I would attribute the most of my uh, beginnings into powerlifting and kind of the strength world mm -hmm. um, as one of kind of my go-to inspirations. Um, and I still talk to her kind of frequently, um, just day-to-day -day stuff of, what's going on in strength and that stuff. Um, and then kind of more powerlifting specific. Um, obviously, um, kind of within house and in training, um, kind of looking up to, always looked up to Joe, to Eric Kupperstein, um, just for their kind of experience and, and kind of day-to-day insight that they're able to give me um and then expanding that across the board um obviously priscilla rubick is someone that i've looked up to mm -hmm. um just for her kind of career in the sport uh leanne blinn for the same thing just their kind of performances their experiences and being able to kind of string that successful and repeated performance over the years um is something that i kind of greatly admire and mm -hmm. kind of aspire to be able to to do the same going forward yeah totally now was was sarah the one who put the the 155 on the bar that you squatted 20 times she was there you go okay awesome <laughs> um go ahead ryan sorry it's okay uh so what's one piece of advice you wish you could give yourself when you were first starting out uh, I would say it's to definitely trust the uh, the program that you're you're given. Um, Mike likes to uh, tell the story about probably one of my I think it was my second year in at Northeastern. Um, I decided to kind of change and jump one of my basically my max for the the program. Uh, within like week two of it and 
definitely overtrained myself that entire cycle. Um, did not have a good meet performance and spent probably the next six months trying to recover from it. So <laughs> for me, it's definitely, I would definitely go back and tell myself, uh, to, uh, trust what, what's actually on the program, regardless of how easy you think it is in the moment. And, uh, sometimes less is actually more. I think we've heard a pretty similar sentiment from a number of number of different guests. <laughs> um, what's been your your closest call with equip lifting? Have you had any any sort of uh, catastrophic misses or anything like that? Uh, there's there's been quite a few uh, bench dumps, uh, mm -hmm. cutting myself in half in uh, either direction. Oh boy! Uh, okay, <laughs> we've. Less frequent going back over the face, but uh, there's been Good. one or two of those. Okay. Uh, I've learned almost the hard way to put the bench safeties on every mm. every time you're training. <laughs> Good strategy. <laughs> and uh, there are plenty of videos of uh, the camera flying because uh, the person holding it needed to uh, <laughs> pick the bench up off of me <laughs> instead of recording the lift. Uh, so those are probably know. those are probably the most catastrophic, uh, besides uh, repeated half locked out deadlifts. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that one too. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, we all do those. Do you have uh, one raw lifter you'd love to see go equipped? Uh, that's definitely a tough one. Um, I definitely think, I mean, kind of seeing, there's probably a few that I would, it would be definitely interesting to see go, go more to the equip side. Um, I would say a, a solely raw lifter. Um, I would like to see kind of, Ray Williams in, in equipment and see what, what that would do, um, kind of for the, the super heavyweights. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost a master. I don't care. <laughs> um, that would probably be one of the, the bigger ones. Um, a lot of the, the other, uh, lifters that, that come to mind, I definitely know compete in both. Um, Anna Castellon's definitely competed in both um, for the 72s. Carola Guerra's done it in the, the 63s. Um, so that was probably the, the sole one that I haven't seen um, in equipment, and I'm sure others will, will come to mind later on, as that's mm -hmm. usually what, what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um... And to kind of wrap up here, what sorts of things are you uh, are you hoping for, or aiming for right now? Are there any big projects you're working on, and maybe, uh, you know, sort of what's your what's your hopes for the competitive future? I mean, nothing too uh, specific that uh, working on. Kind of uh, just kind of trying to keep uh, my head down and keep grinding away. Um, ultimately. The goal will be to put together a, 
a pretty uh, fantastic performance once we are back on the platform uh, in what, hopefully uh, 2021 and wherever that may be. Um, I would say long-term goal for me is definitely putting a focus on trying to qualify for World Games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure like, like many others, uh, that's definitely something I never would have anticipated possible first coming into the sport. Um, so now kind of seeing that it's definitely a within sight possibility, that's kind of our, our long range focus at this point. Um, and then kind of being able to, to repeat though, maybe at a, a different weight class, that third, at least international performance in a row, um, mm-hmm. on the world stage, uh, for that, that top position, um, is always something, you know, I go into, to meets training, uh, with that goal and focus in mind, um. And then obviously hoping what I'm able to, to put up on the, the platform that day is, is enough to kind of reach that result. Um, so those are kind of the, the goals and in, in focus in sight at this point. Cool. All right. Um, Ryan, did you have any other questions or anything you wanted to go over? No, I think that's good. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, Kelsey, I want to thank you very, very much for giving us some of your time and your insights and uh, hanging out and chatting with us today. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Awesome. Uh, Ryan, I am in, was instructed to uh, inform you. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, in your chat about uh, Big Mike wrapping you <laughs> in yep. Savinger. Um, I'm told to tell you that was a six-level wrap. Yeah, I think he's told me that before too, so it's it's okay. <laughs> what what does that mean? Well, six out of ten. Oh, okay. So like a sixty percent kind of oh wow. Okay. I <laughs> thought it was like there's first level and there's second level and he went all the way to the sixth level for you. But it was only a six out of ten. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure that's what he means. I'm sure he's calling me a baby. And <laughs> uh you know, I don't know, because he was sweating pretty hard, but that may not be a good indicator either. So uh I, I, I'm not sure. It, it does depend on how much sweat was in the wrap. Or that's, that's true. I was know, in too much he's... pain to notice. I think so. <laughs> that that is fair. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, well, yeah. Thanks again, and uh, hopefully you uh, hopefully training goes really well, and all the changes you're making work out, and uh, we'll see you back on the platform soon. All right. Thank you guys. Thanks for having right. me. Awesome. Thanks, Kelsey. All right. We want to thank you for listening to the Equipped, Bruised, and Tired podcast. We're going to be available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever fine podcasts are found. So make sure to leave your five-star rating if you enjoyed the show and a review as well and or check out our video version of the show on our YouTube channel. If you have any questions for ourselves, guest suggestions, or questions for our guests, you can go ahead and contact us at equippedbruisedtired at gmail.com and make sure to do your part to spread the word of the equipped renaissance. We'll see you next time.